Hi, everyone. Welcome to Better Together and As We podcast. For future reference, As We, as in A-S-W-E, stands for the Alzheimer's Society of Windsor and Essex County. This podcast will feature engaging conversations with guests ranging from community leaders to care partners and persons living with dementia to raise awareness about this disease. You're listening to Better Together and As We Podcast, and this is our 12th episode. My name is Cindy Keo, and I'm joined today by Renee Murdoch. Renee is the Respite Program Supervisor at the Alzheimer's Society here in Windsor. Thank you so much, Renee, for virtually being here with me today. Well, thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure. With all the snow and everything going on right now, thank you so much for being here. It's, it's, it's honestly amazing to have you here today. Um, so I just want to start off with... Um, telling everybody a little bit about yourself. So um, your home life, your, your uh, work life, how you became involved with the Alzheimer's Society. Okay, um, so as Cindy said, I'm Renee. Um, a little bit about me is I am married to my husband and we have two little girls together. I also have a teenage stepson and to complete our family, we have a yellow lab named Oatmeal. Oh, she's turning. Yeah, I love that name. <laughs> she got named um, when my stepson was only about seven. Um, mm -hmm. After the Frosty movie, they're when they're trying to think of the name for Frosty. There's this random kid in the back who screams oatmeal. So that is how she got her name because my stepson did that while we were trying to find her name. And being a silly seven-year-old, he went oatmeal. <laughs> well, she kind of is the color of oatmeal. It it works. So she is named Oatmeal That's and she's turning eight in April. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oatmeal. <laughs> I love it. Um, so my career, um, I have an undergraduate degree from the University of Windsor in family and social relations. And then while I was at University of Windsor, it's kind of an open-ended program. It kind of leads you like to lots of options and I was trying to decide what I was going to do next, and I decided I wanted to work with seniors. So I started researching, oh, what could I do? Um, and this was back before the social service gerontology program was at St. Clair College. So the closest program I found was something that allowed me to do activities and programming with, with seniors was in Toronto at George Brown College. So I went there for two years and got my diploma or certificate in activation coordination gerontology which I always tell people it's just a very fancy way of saying I am very qualified to do programs with seniors that is my specialty so you moved to Toronto to do all this wow yep. how was that for the two years there oh uh, it wasn't bad I was a young student living in Toronto so on a very tight budget I did lots of walking yeah um, the coldest weather I walked in was minus 35 celsius to walk to school yeah that's my uh so this is nothing I'm like I'll yeah. take this now <laughs> all my friends in Toronto are like yeah your Windsor's weather is nothing compared to where like in Toronto area so yeah. um I'm really grateful for that <laughs> this is good this I'll take yeah <laughs> so then how did you um come like how did it come about for you to work at the Alzheimer's Society so it kind of just fell into my lap, I guess. So when I was fresh out of school, um, I got the opportunity to be a manager at a retirement home. So I was fresh and green, uh, 23, running the activities department at a retirement home. Um, it was a maternity leave coverage. Um, I had the opportunity to stay on board as the manager there, but I 
when I was in school, my goal was always long-term care. That's what I fell in love with when I was in school and that's what I wanted to do. So after that management position, I went into long-term care. I was there for about eight years in the activities department at two different nursing homes and I loved it. Mm -hmm. um, and one day I decided to just go on Indeed and look and I saw this opportunity and something spoke to me and I'm like, you know what? I think it's time for a change to use my skills in a different way and utilize them differently. Um, so I applied and they liked me and I liked the position and <laughs> it's going to be almost a year that I've been in the position now and there's been no regrets um, changing things up. I, I like it. There's different challenges that I'm facing now and um, it keeps things, I'm using skills that I had learned, but forgot that we're there. So mm -hmm. it's nice to switch it up a little bit. I can't believe it's almost been a year since you've yes. been here. Yeah, it'll be a year. Came, I think it was the second, was it during the second lockdown that you were with us? It was in May. I started at the very end of May. So in 2021 of May. So Honestly. programs and everything were all back up and running when I was oh, there, which yeah. was nice for me. Um, and there was already a kind of a system in place. So all those original kinks were worked out and um, everything's up, was up and running. So, and then it went back into, yeah, there's been more, yeah. there's been more kinks yeah. and more issues, little things to work through since then. But, um, that initial, initial thing I didn't, I wasn't in the community at that point. I was in the long-term care aspect of it during the initial, uh, aspect of the mm -hmm. shutdown and everything. So what exactly is the in-home respite program? Um, that's a very complicated question because every in-home respite visit is different, mm -hmm. but I can give a very brief overview of what potentially can happen at these visits. So a client support staff member will go into a home for roughly three and a half hours is the goal for the visit. So the client support staff member goes into the home for those three and a half hours to engage that person living with dementia in some aspect, way, or form whether that is providing stimulation through activities, such as doing um, maybe some mental aerobics with some trivia or word search games or anything that will stimulate the mind that way. Um, they also do crafts. So the client support staff um, will think of different ideas, usually themed around what the seasons are and they'll do crafts with them. They might build things with them. Um, they also run physical games with them as well. So they'll bring a balloon so that they can play like a balloon toss game, or they'll bring an exercise ball so they can throw it back and forth. I was recently at a home visit with uh, one of my staff members and she brought some of those red cup, disposable cups. And she had a little, um, like almost like a dart shooter gun. And she had the oh. client aim the gun at the, and I'm like, this is so ingenious. What a way to try to bring things from maybe their past and incorporate it into the activities that they do. Mm -hmm. um, I find that our staff members, that's what they really do. They look at that person living with dementia. What do they like? What did they like? How can we bring those things back and keep them going? How can we modify this activity to make them still successful in it? Um, during those visits also, if there's a little bit of like housekeeping that needs to be done, the staff members involved, the person living with dementia as much as possible. You know, if they're doing dishes together, one washes, one dries. Or if they're preparing a meal, 
and the person living with dementia used to enjoy cooking, what part of that meal can that person living with dementia still do to make that be involved in that aspect of their visits? Um, there are so many things that they do during those visits. It's very geared to that client and what they want and what they need from that visit. If from that visit, what they need is somebody to sit there and hold their hand and read to them, then that's what that client support staff member is going to do. If they need help with their ADLs, a little, maybe a bath or a shower or help grooming, getting dressed, um, a lot of our ladies that we have as our clients, they love their nails getting done. So a lot of our client support staff members make sure they have those tools so that they can provide them that nice manicure and the hand massage, something to make them feel good about themselves again. Mm -hmm. um, if they used to go to the hair salon a lot, they'll do their hair. So they incorporate who the person is into their visits, which is great. Um, the visits, they're definitely for the client, for the person living with dementia, but they're as much for the person, for their care partner as well. That care partner gets to go out of the home or even go downstairs and take a nap or watch their favorite show. And they know that that person living with dementia is being well taken care of and their needs are being met. So it's a nice relief for the care partner as well as for the person living with dementia. It's kind of a two for one deal. You know, yeah. you get something out of it as the care partner and the person living with dementia gets something as well. Yeah, I give so much credit to the, our client support staff because they are so inventive with everything that they come up with. Um, they care about our clients so much um, and make sure that, you know, they're taken care of. Um, I, I actually did in-home respite program, um, sorry, um, in-home respite when I started at the Alzheimer's site. So um, I enjoyed every bit of it. Just going into their home, like learning about their, their life and their journey um, was amazing. So I, yeah. I really, really, really love this program. Um, so what are some of the challenges that you had to face as a program supervisor during this pandemic? Um, one of the biggest challenges that have come up is how fast things are changing. Um, so there's protocols and things in place from the government. And then as they learn new things, they're changing and they're adapting the way things should be done. So one of the biggest challenges is making sure we can adapt things like that. We have to adapt it. Okay, we got this new update. How can we make it work? What do we need to do? What supplies do we need? And just making sure we're up to date and current. So that way, the staff and the clients and everybody is as safe as possible. That's one of the biggest things. And now for your scheduling um, aspect, are you still doing the geographical areas? Um, yeah. So our client support staff members, as much as possible, we try to, we give them a, almost um, an area. So if you're more located in central Windsor, then that's where the majority of your clients are going to be is in central Windsor. Um, there's no definite street guidelines that like from this street to this street and you don't go outside. They're a little, you know, zigzaggy and blurred yeah. because clients don't always live in that specific area. And we want to make sure everyone is going to be getting service that needs the service. So, you know, it's, it's a little fluider, but um, we try to keep people in those areas as much as possible, just so everybody gets a timely visit and it's all on time and everybody's there. Mm -hmm. What are some tips and tricks that you have for um, uh, family members and friends uh, that they can do to support 
uh, someone living with Alzheimer's disease and other dementias? My biggest tip is just educate yourself. Um, I find it's with anything. The more you know about it, the more you can be prepared to handle something, any situation. So the more you learn about the disease and the process and the journey, the more prepared you can be for as things change and come about. Um, there is no cut rule that says this is the way it's going to go, but at least with some of the background and the information behind it, you can be like, okay, you know what, this is part of it. We let's, or you know what, I wonder if anyone else has dealt with this. Can I reach out? Let's reach out to some people. So having education and a strong support system is really, really key for being able to deal with all the changes that come up. That is a great leeway into my next question for you. Uh, so the name of our podcast is Better Together. What does that mean to you? So Better Together, it's that you just, you need people in your life. You need to have support systems and people around you. This pandemic, if anything, has shown us the importance of relationships and no matter what, how you need to try to adapt that so you can stay connected to people whether that's a phone call or doing things on Zoom nowadays or a message, somehow being able to stay connected. So better together is just be connected. Perfect. Um, one more thing I have uh, for you is um, how can people get uh, connected with the in-home respite program? Like how does the referral process work? Just so everyone knows. So the first step would be to contact the Alzheimer's Society, our first link coordinator, and you would set go through with them. So they would do a basic little intake with you first. Um, and then after that, they would set you up with one of our education support staff members. So our education support coordinators would contact you and, you know, what services we have and what would be a good fit. And if in-home respite is sounding like something that would work and would benefit you and your person living with dementia, then they would come out and do a home visit and do an assessment with you. Uh, after that assessment, they bring the file back to me and say, we have this new client looking for in-home respite. From there, I do up a little write-up about um, the person living with dementia, their needs, what they're looking for. And then it goes to our scheduler and she works her beautiful magic and gets everybody's service somehow. <laughs> That's awesome. And how, what, like how many um, days can the client have for the in-home respite? We do one visit right now a week. Um, there is the potential to go up to two. Um, if usually after a month or two, we can look at it and uh, see, is it being a successful visit? Is it working? And go from there. Perfect. So thank you so much, Renee, for taking the time out of your busy day to do this podcast with me. Um, I would love for us to finish this podcast with some fire rapid questions. These five questions are all random. And if you could answer them with... Um, one word or one sentence and it just allows the audience to get to know a little more about you okay okay ready <laughs> yes question number one if you didn't have to sleep what would you do with the extra time Ooh. if i didn't have to sleep what would i do with my extra time um maybe read I might actually have time to read, so I'd probably do that. <laughs> Are you reading a book right now? I'm trying to. <laughs> All right, yeah. I attempt to read, but by the end of the day, there's not a lot of time left. So it's yes. like a, it's a page here and there, and it's, I'll get it done eventually. <laughs> Question number two, if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? 
If we're not thinking about nutritional value, it'd be pickles. Yeah, we're not thinking about that. So pickles? Yeah, just pickles. Woo. I love pickles. I think you're the second person to say that um, on this podcast. That's really cool. And it can be any type of pickle, really. I just like pickles. Mm -hmm. Just a variety of pickles, any of them. Question number three, what would your perfect Sunday look like? Sleep in. Mm -hmm. Coffee. The kids are quiet. They sleep in. There's no arguments. They get dressed. They brush their teeth. Food is made for me. The kitchen's cleaned up. You just relax and watch TV. Just a very quiet, relaxing day where I don't have to do anything and everything's just done for me. Yeah, that's a good start to the week, right? Yep. Question number four. What could you give a 40-minute presentation on with absolutely no preparation? <sighs> Winnie the Pooh, actually. Really? That's yes, I had a very, um, a big love of him growing up. And I actually wrote a speech on him in school where I dove in and did tons of research and I could, an AA mill and everything, all the background behind it. So I could probably talk about that for 40 minutes, if not more. Well, what's one cool fact about Winnie the Pooh then that you can just say right off the bat? Oh, it's a, based on a true story. Like it's based on an actual bear. Winnie the Pooh was a bear at a zoo Mm -hmm. that Christopher Robin fell in love with. And then his father, A.A. Mill, went home and started creating these stories around this bear mm -hmm. named Winnie. And um, his wife said, why don't you write these stories down? So A.A. Mill wrote the stories down. And wow. then we got Winnie the Pooh. I didn't know that. I didn't know it was a true story based on yeah. a true story. And the last question, what's the best piece of advice someone has ever given you? the best piece of advice um probably just it was fairly simple just always smile a smile it can change your day so you never know what someone's going through so just always smile that's a good one I always see you smiling I try <laughs> Thank you so much, Renee. Uh, it was a pleasure speaking with you today. I hope our listeners have gained a better understanding about what our in-home respite program is about and how important it is for our clients and care partners. Hey, listeners, my call to action for all of you, how can you help? Educate yourself and encourage others to do the same. Refer your circle of friends and family to our services. Support our events and fundraising campaigns and become a dementia-friendly community. Let's keep talking about dementia. Listen to new episodes on the last Friday of every month on our YouTube channel, Alzheimer Windsor. Don't forget to subscribe. Help for today, hope for tomorrow. And remember, we are better together. Thank you so much, Renee.